0: Episode 33 of Deepening Roots and Growing Branches here at New Life Evangelical Free Church. This is Paul Arneberg, Director of Disciple by Doing, with Pastor Brent Kampelen, our lead pastor for five plus years. So <laughs> 33 is a very special number. Yep. Now, reverently, we know that Jesus was right around 33, maybe a little older, we don't know exactly, but around 33 when he died on the cross and rose from the dead. Yeah. Culturally, 33 is coming of age as a hobbit. So if you were to read Tolkien, and in New Life we have many Tolkien fans, and I, I believe in the listening audience too, many Tolkien fans, that would be John Ronald Rule Tolkien, his uh, uh, Made Up World of Hobbits is that when they turned 33, they came of age, which means they're fully into adulthood. And with that in mind, I'm going to tie together part one, which was episode 32 on Entitled to Selfish, with part two, which is episode 33, Entitled to Selfish. So in honor of the Lord of the Rings coming of age, here's a great quote that relates directly to, I would say, selflessness of taking responsibility. Frodo says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And then Gandalf replies... So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to do is decide what to do with the time that is given to us. And that quote is, (laughs) I believe, a profound way to say, you know what, none of us would have chosen the certain trials. Like James 1, 2 says, consider it pure joy when you experience trials of many kinds. The Bible, especially the New Testament, is full of admonishments to be joyful in trials. We don't choose our trials, but we have a decision speaking of options in episode 32 and choices we can choose to follow the lord through those trials and then how do we respond to those trials which does relate directly to entitled to selfless part 2
1: yeah absolutely so thanks for that intro i love that ah, i've, I've I love read it too. the uh, lord of the rings and and trilogy and also The Hobbit with my kids and I love
0: doing all the voices yes. so uh,
1: yeah I've practiced a few of those and
0: maybe sometime we'll do some readers theater on this podcast because I would love to uh, really nice because I love yep. that as well and I there's so many great virtues and by the way uh, December is often Lord of the Rings cinematic season because 22 21 and 20 years ago the trilogy came out one t- one at a time but yeah. that episode 33 yep. is a good chance to bring back a full quote from that movie
1: yeah it's great well so if you uh, listen to our previous episode the part one on Entitled to Selfless, we really got into some of the depth of the cultural moment that we're living in and how do we understand, especially the... Uh, the the fruit of the late modern, postmodern worldview mm-hmm. when it comes to the view of self. And this is really rooted in the w- philosophical perspective that's known as Romanticism mm-hmm. that has um, really, I guess, taken over not just in a sort of a thought world, but at the street level. Yeah. A lot of people just view the world through a very subjective, self-focused expression, sort of self-expression kind of a yes. lens that we do... Uh, we do this radical, self-expressive way of living in the world. Mm-hmm. And so that, uh, that's kind of the, wor- the, the place that we're in. Now, th- when it comes to entitlement, that means that we feel that we're entitled not only to you know, think about ourselves all the time, but that we should have all the choices available to us. Yes. And that the world should really be our oyster and we get to do whatever we want. And that sense um, actually has all kinds of horrible ramifications in terms of our well-being. Uh, our view of the world, our view of ourselves, um, our ability to function in relationships in a healthy way. A lot of the illustrations we talked about mm-hmm. in the last episode were about were relational. Yes. They were about marriage. Mm-hmm. They were about working relationships in the marketplace. They were about kids mm-hmm. and parenting. They were about friendships. I mean, it was like all over the, the map. The local church body. Local church, mm-hmm. absolutely. Leadership, the, the perspective of leadership within the local church, mm-hmm. the perspective of being a member of mm-hmm. and a part of the body and how I serve in the body. So we're going to go a little bit deeper on that, but I wanted to point that out, that so much of this is a relational dynamic yes. that gets so poisoned.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a view of self, yes, that's wrong, but it plays out relationally because that's who we are. We're inherently relational beings yeah, made we in are. God's
0: image. Yeah, absolutely. Made
1: to be in perfect relationship with God, mm-hmm. but we also live on this horizontal plane where we live in relationship all in every layer of our life, like within our families, but also... In friendships, but then of course across our society, mm-hmm. and we we need to live in those social uh, places. So, entitled to selfless. Let's we've we've done enough. I think there's lots more we could be said, but we've done a, we've done a good amount of digging on what the cultural moment is like that we're in. So we recognize entitlement and self focus is really a problem. Mm-hmm. Where do we go from here? Because I think we need to talk about what does the scriptures, what does the Bible uh, give us as a as the the real Like God honoring biblical perspective on this. How should we view ourselves? How should we view our relationships? I mean, really, some of the things that I immediately go to is how Jesus lived in the incarnation and in his earthly ministry and how he walked through life with his disciples during his three years of public ministry, the people he interacted with, the things that he said to his disciples when they got super entitled just sticks out to me like a you know, it's so powerful. Yes. Yeah, so one example, just to kind of get us launched here, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go right biblically. I was doing it in my devotional reading just this morning. Oh, ah, timely. I was, yep, I was sitting at Dunn Brothers, um, and next to the fire, it was nice and cozy. So had a Wilson. Yep, and I was saying hello, <laughs> waving at Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> so many of you know Wilson, who is managing over there. Um, and I was reading in Luke twenty-two about these you know, final moments with Jesus and his disciples before he's arrested, before Mm -hmm. his crucifixion. And the text in Luke 22, as they're um, celebrating the Passover meal, this text says in Luke 22, verse 24 and following, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Mm, You want to talk about entitlement? Oh my goodness. And Jesus said to them, verse 25, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. Mm -hmm. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, Mm -hmm. and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the man who is, is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. Yes. Whoa, who serves, he just like yeah. completely blows their, them out of the water mm-hmm. with their entitled thinking of, oh, I wonder if I'm the greatest. And John, you can imagine the, the beloved disciples maybe thinking, well, Jesus really loves me. And, and, and then Peter, he's like, well, yeah, but he's given me lots of authority over all these other guys. And you can just imagine them going down the line and going, well, I've got this to brag about and that to brag about. And Jesus entrusted me with this and did this. And he just goes right at them. Mm-hmm. And here it is, Passover. In the background is the Passover meal that's talking about a sacrificial lamb on behalf of the people so they can exit slavery in Egypt.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: They're celebrating this meal with all this symbolism. And right here at these very last moments before Jesus goes to the cross the next day, he looks at them and says, how can you say that? Hmm. Who's the greatest? Don't you realize what's happening here? I'm going to the cross for you. Of course, he doesn't say it in that exact way, right? But he's essentially saying, Well, hold on, you guys think that the person sitting at the table is super important and that the servant is a nobody. He said, Don't you realize that I'm coming like the servant? Mm
0: -hmm. And he's
1: he just and this is a moment, you know, from John 13 and other passages where this is where Jesus had washed his disciples' feet. And he says, This I've given you an example. You need to be like me. Mm -hmm. You serve, you you you're gonna be the the greatest of all is the servant of all. Mm And he showed us by his example. So even just to like launch us into what, how do we go from entitled to selfless? This story just like smacked me upside the head
0: this morning. Yes. A great timeliness. So and again, you mentioned John and Peter. <clears throat> Let's not forget that John and his brother James were the yes. sons of thunder. Yes. And so we often think of John, at least if you just do a cursory reading of John and the letters of John and even Revelation that he was a humble guy because he was a loved guy or a mm. beloved guy. No, he was uh, a son of thunder would imply that well, he's the one. John and James yeah. said, Lord, should we call fire down from heaven to consume our enemies? Yeah, I think the Samaritan he was trying to destroy them by fire like Elijah and Elisha uh, smote their enemies. Uh, but no, John had to be chastised by the Lord. And then, yes, he was the disciple Jesus loved in the sense that in, in the Gospel of John, that was a self-humble uh, modifier of, of who he was. Yeah. But so we... Don't have to say, if you are a person that does struggle with selflessness or selfishness and you struggle with ambition and, and even narcissism, don't think you're beyond the Lord's redemption yeah. and, and restoration. So John himself might have been the worst, possibly, him and James. And by the way, by some another irony, Brent... Uh, his brother James was the first martyr. Yes. He was the first, after Stephen, of course. Stephen was martyred in Acts chapter 7, but then I think it was in Acts 12, the first apostle to be martyred yes. was James, one yep. of the sons of thunder. Yep. So by some, uh, again, paradox, I like that word that it's it's an unexpected twist that the sons of thunder, one would be humbled to uh, to be the one that wrote a lot of the New Testament, the other was humbled about being the first apo- apostle martyr, and yet they were the ones before they were fully into Jesus, Jesus' um, likeness through through his resurrection and, and, and his giving him the Holy Spirit, they had to be refined a lot. It wasn't just Peter, who's famous for putting his foot in his mouth, it were the th- yeah. sons of thunder.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, the, the very next couple of verses, if you go down to verse 31 in Luke 22, Jesus looks straight at Simon Peter. Uh, yes. We're talking about Peter. And mm-hmm. he says, "Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat, mm. but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And Mm. of course, it goes on to say... You know, he goes. Oh, I'll, as we know from John 13 and other passages, Peter's just this one who goes, "I'll never abandon you, and I'm gonna die with you, and I'm gonna." Mm-hmm. He's just talking a big game. Yeah. And when push comes to shove, he denies Jesus. Yeah. And then he goes with his tail between his legs, cry, you know, weeping yes. as Jesus goes to the cross because he has been, you know, he's 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 turned his back on him. So this who's uh, a dispute of who's the greatest, yes. it ends up just crumbling as Jesus goes to the cross uh, mm-hmm. and really puts this sort of entitled or maybe puffed up way of
0: them viewing themselves, it just all comes crashing to the ground. That's right. And I'm just going to give a quick shout out for our brother Peter. Uh, he was my confirmation name when I was uh, confirmed as a Catholic. It is is Second Corinthians 7.10. Godly grief... Produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, yeah. whereas worldly grief produces death. Again, if you are listening, we always try to bring it back to application, even though there's a lot of cultural references, a lot of theological and biblical references. If you are sitting there and you admit to narcissism, to selfishness, and to ambition, uh, remember that if you really repent and seek the Lord for what the, his dreams are for you and how to submit yourselves to him and not call on fire on your enemies, then Uh, that grief, that repentance will produce godliness, but don't take your grief and make it despairing and make things worse by running from the Lord in your, uh, struggle with being selfless like Christ is. Yes.
1: Yeah. And one of the, like in this example that we just read of Jesus at the Passover meal Mm -hmm. and looking at his disciples and just teaching them right in this moment, like what matters when it comes to these things that you serve, uh, the ultimate, like I, like we were just describing, the ultimate example of this is Jesus Himself and mm-hmm. what He has done. And we were kind of talking as we were prepping for this episode that uh, a, a, a passage that keeps coming to our minds as we go through a lot of these transformational outcomes especially as we look at Jesus as like our model and example and just following Him and doing things in the way that He does. Mm-hmm. Is Philippians chapter two? Love it. That that in in Jesus in His humility, that as 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 God, as one who is eternal and all-powerful, that is who's in the the glory of the eternal realities of heaven from eternity past, that Philippians chapter two describes this uh, humility of Jesus, that he being in the very nature God, uh, this is Philippians two verse six and following. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, or something to be grasped, as some of your translations say. Mm-hmm. But rather he made himself nothing by teaching taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then it goes on to describe how God exalted God the Father exalted Jesus to the highest place that he gave him every, the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. There's this sense of how we live with the curse of sin and in our own sinful hearts that we just naturally are gonna look at ourselves and try and have disputes arise as the disciples did about who's the greatest. That's right. And Jesus in his incarnation, in his life and ministry, and then in his death and resurrection has just destroyed our entitlement.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely blown it out of the water yep. because of anyone who could be entitled to be Jesus. There's nothing more entitled than being the son of God equal to God and having all the riches from before the foundations of the world from eternity past. Yes, There's nothing more entitled possible and there's nothing more humbling for th- than that person of the Godhead, the second person of the Trinity, to give all things up. He emptied himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And by the way, that's after 33 years of perfect obedience on the earth. And then God exalted him to the highest place. And so similarly, as little Christs, which is one definition for Christian, we are little Christs, we surrender ourselves to the Lord. And then we are often broken down, again, through those trials that James 1 and other chapters of the Bible refer to. And then he exalts us in a sense, not prosperity gospel, but he gives us the dreams. He gives us the, the, um, the way to live out our individuality. The great thing about the Christian life is the the um, billion or billions of people that have ever followed the Lord and are following the Lord in this world today in 2023, we are not cookie cutters. We are surrendered totally to the Lord, but then he... He breathes on us by his Holy Spirit, both through salvation and through sanctification, to become all we are meant to be in him individually. So it's not some monolithic cookie-cutter blandness, but it does require surrender if we're going to get to the place where content in him, including selflessness, as a paradoxical, uh, paradoxical way to become full in Christ. Yep. And this...
1: The, there there needs to be a transformation in our deepest like the deepest parts of our inner being in our hearts mm-hmm. yes. about this mm-hmm. and that's the, so when we talk about the gospel like let's just bring in this this dimension of this you know we're not we're not merely talking about Jesus as an example that we need to follow mm-hmm. of course Jesus is an ex, he's the ultimate example right but it's not merely example in that we have to, on our own strength, try and do what Jesus did. Yeah, we can't muster it up. Can't muster it up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really like a false gospel to say, or at least a false version of atonement mm. or uh, of salvation to say, well, Jesus was the perfect example, do what Jesus did. That's, that's not enough to yep. say that. That's right. And so what God has done through Christ and by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit is he causes us to be born again. Mm. And in our inner being with that transformation, with the work in our hearts in a deeper way that God does in us, it's by now his strength, his transformation, his work within us to put a new heart of flesh rather than a heart of stone, Mm -hmm. enabling, empowering by the spirit to have us walk in obedience and love for Mm -hmm. God and not a way that it's working and earning in terms of workers' righteousness, but is genuine obedience and love in a way of of walking with our heavenly father. And so um, the gospel message is yes move from entitled to selfless, but it's not a, hey, uh, you can do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you move from being entitled to selfless because you can just make that choice. You mm-hmm. can turn that corner on your own. That We recognize that the good news of the gospel is that God will put new desires in your heart as he does his sanctifying work within you. It's not just merely about your effort. So I wanted to be careful to parse that out because oh, sure. it's very, very important yep. that we understand the full
0: orbed understanding of the gospel in that way. Especially with two energetic go-getter type A's like us. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of Keith Green, one of my favorite musicians. His says, um, I tried but could not refuse. You gave me no time to choose. You put this love in my heart. It's yep. very sovereignty of God focused. It's like, God gave me the love in my heart. And, and you said the word cause, he causes us to be born again. And then First. Corinthians 3 says, God causes the growth. Paul watered and or Paul planted, Apollos watered, God causes the growth. That is a good theology to say it is out of my hands. Therefore, if you are trying to muster up sanctification or certainly salvation, but either one or pure grace, you're going to miss the boat and you're going to be frustrated all your life yeah. because you think you can manufacture Christ-likeness. It's only by his grace, but it does take, by some mystery, our surrender and our submission.
1: Yes. And don't be fooled, you know, just want to be careful again to say this is making keeping our eye on the gospel. Don't be fooled that somehow if you can be selfless enough, that you'll be good enough for God. Ah, uh, yes. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about these transformational outcomes, but especially something like this, I think a lot of us can sort of still view our lives as though we've got a scale in front of us. Ah, uh, yes. You know, like uh, Lady Justice holding the scale, and mm-hmm. it, you've got uh, this sense of can I put enough good merit on one side to outweigh my bad? And it just throw the scale away, people. Yep. Like Jesus has fulfilled the law on your behalf. Mm-hmm. His his righteousness is covering you by his grace. It's a gift. Like you can't earn it anyway. That's so right. just give up doing that. But it's it's not give up in the sense of you don't care. It's a sense of, of repentance and surrender to the Lord to walk then in the light of his grace mm. the lavish love that he's shown you and uh, that God the father's shown you in Christ and that um another another dimension to put on this is in order to see that reality clearly that me trying to be selfless and doing like kind of do-gooding if mm-hmm. you will yeah. do-gooding is not going to get you to heaven yes but one of the ways that God will help you understand a that you Need him, and you don't measure up. Mm-hmm. But B to help you grow in selflessness and to slay that idol of entitlement mm. in in his sanctifying work in you. You mentioned it earlier, and I want to make sure we highlight this. It's often through difficulty.
0: Yes, trials,
1: trials, suffering, mm-hmm. difficulty, failure,
0: persecution.
1: Yeah, things that come up again because what ends up happening is when you have a when you have a, an idol of self. When things are going great. The idol of self looks like it's
0: working just fine for ah, you. Yeah, as if that caused your prosperity exactly. and your contentment. You
1: can yes. start to believe in the lie that, boy, I'm 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 a pretty good person.
0: Ah, oh, like I, yeah. I'm
1: doing I'm doing real good in my career. You know what? I dropped some coins in the Salvation Army bucket on the outside of the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote a couple Christmas cards to you know my. My, you know, my in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and then, boy, pat myself on the back. Life's yeah. going pretty good.
0: I waved at my neighbor. Yeah. The most trite things. I think you earn. Sometimes we
1: still view the world through that scale. Yeah. Like we're we're trying to weigh the good and the bad. And I'll tell you, there are so many ways. And I wanted to bring this in as a dimension of this because we've been talking about how Christ models being a servant, his humility, and coming from the glory of heaven to the. You know, I mean, even just being being born in a stable in a manger in the dirt in a yeah. barn in Bethlehem. I mean, goodness gracious. Um, the book of Hebrews describes this in a very poignant way. Yes. Chapter five, Hebrews five is describing the humility of Jesus in how in his earthly life, not only the example he has, but in that in a way, how he entered into the mess, the 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 reality of our sinful world as the sinless one but that he wasn't avoiding the pain and suffering and difficulty that comes with him like really genuinely being our substitute for sin. I mean, Mm -hmm. he went to the cross, the Mm -hmm. ultimate, paying the ultimate price. But this is what Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 and following describes. It says, During the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was... Heard because of his reverent submission. Hmm. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, Hmm. and was designated by God to be the high priest be high priest
0: in the order of Melchizedek. In my Bible, I circled the words the source. Yeah. The source. We're not the source. Jesus is the source.
1: Absolutely. And what's so critical about this passage is that Jesus, in it, as it describes his his earthly life, he we see so many times him praying, him crying out to the Father, and there is this sense of um, he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. Maybe this, in a sense, he's he's almost praying, um, Father, could this cup pass? Yes. No, and so let Your will be done, and so it's essentially he's he's. It says, Son though he was, he learned obedience. From, um, from what he suffered. There's this sense of um, him walking in that perfect obedience and uh, submission to and under uh, the—in the ways that God the father was commissioning in salvation. He's walking that path mm-hmm. as the perfect, obedient son whom we all failed to be, yep. who Israel failed to be, who That's every right. person in the Bible failed to be. That's right. And Jesus is ultimately fulfilling all of that. And so we see him, he could have, in other words, he, the way this passage reads, it says essentially he could have avoided, he could have even asked, Oh, please don't let me go through all these really hard things. But no, he resolutely went to the cross. Mm-hmm. And you see him genuinely saying, "You know what? I want to have the will of the, the, the will of the Father. Like that's 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 my will. That's mm-hmm. what I want. That's what I'm going to do." And we see Jesus as fulfilling all of that in our in our stead, and 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 in that way, he becomes our high priest. He becomes the one who is mediating between God and man, and Amen. in the absolute perfect sense of that. So it's just another layer of thinking about the humility of Jesus and how he. Yes, I don't know. He he. There's this, he could have tried to avoid out of his entitlement as the Son of God all of these things. And no, he walked in these ways, in perfect obedience, all the way to the cross, all the way to the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be children of
0: God. That's incredible. Amen. It is incredible. And <clears throat> I'd like to commend to you what Brent just read out of Hebrews 5, not only Hebrews 12, but the whole book of Hebrews. If you want to see, in my opinion, the New Testament book that so comprehensively ties together the Old Testament sacrificial system with the reality of the fulfillment in Christ, read Hebrews 13 chapters, which are awesome, yep. and uh, chapter 12 echoes what Brent just read from... 5, 7 and following. This is chapter 12. Uh, Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith, Mm. who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So uh, the reason I wanted to bring that up again is to say, Jesus' joy was his motivation. It's not like Christian suffering is an end in itself or it's gonna be never recognized by the Lord or rewarded. It's actually looking beyond even this life, let alone this particular trial. What does it say in, um, I believe, Corinthians that C.S. Lewis wrote a whole book about called the weight of glory. Mm. This light and momentary affliction is uh, building for us, I think, what's the verb? An eternal weight of glory. So think of those little things. And so when you are persecuted, when you are inconvenienced, as I've often said, to the point of inconvenience or persecution or death. Know that the Lord is working in you when we're submitted to Him. Uh, and Peter actually goes so far as to say, don't think that when you're uh, uh, suffering for your own sin, yeah. there's any benefit. It's when you're suffering for righteousness sake, which is so counterintuitive because yeah. you think that if we are doing a good job, we'll get a pat on the back like a, like a Boy Scout doing a good turn daily. No, we have to do it in the name of the Lord and in the name of accepting suffering and also being not left to our own devices, which are so easy to be deceived by.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so we've we've covered a lot of ground here with just some biblical examples, but also um, contemplating the beauty and the glory of Jesus and what he has done for us. Uh, I think you know as we as we talk uh, just kind of w- winding this down, I think that we haven't even really gotten into like modern day examples of how we need to be selfless, but I'm sure you listeners, as you're thinking about this, I want you to to challenge you with this thought. Think about the different relational contexts that you find yourself. Um, We talked about the dynamics here that affect us so much relationally, like entitlement becomes a relational issue. Think about uh, who you have in your family, whether that's a a spouse, a parent, a a child, um, a grandparent, an aunt or uncle, f- family dynamics. In what ways are you approaching those things with a very se- with a self focus, with an mm-hmm. entitlement, with a what can I get out of these things? Think about the workplace. In what ways are you approaching that from a what can I get out of this? What am I entitled to? How can I get to the next level rather than how can I serve? How can I come in and 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 help these people? How can I move the team along? How can I have that approach? In what ways do you see this with friendships, with civic engagement, with all kinds of different environments, what we need to do in the church? Obviously, Mm -hmm. we've been mentioning that. Like, What way can I approach the local church body with a sense of selflessness and seeking the well-being of others? There's a 100 examples that we could go and apply this into, and I just want to challenge you, pick one of those or two of those. And say, this this next few months, the beginning of this next year, or maybe even just this Christmas season, mm-hmm. I want to I want to change my focus in that. I want to take a different approach. I want to start living like Jesus would in this situation, yes, yeah. <laughs> that I'm going to not be entitled to, to get what I need out of this, but I'm going to look at it with the other person's well-being as paramount. Mm-hmm. And in that way, you're going to be a living witness to the gospel, because when you're that kind of a presence it's different and it goes against the sin nature of who we are as people. And so it's going to look (laughs) Odd. <laughs> yes. And so in those ways, you'll start to possibly open up conversations about why you're doing that.
0: Yes. And so we then get to turn that into mission and being out in the world. That reminds me of 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you yeah. and give that answer with reverence and gentleness. And uh, I, I do want to yeah. end with a quote before we wrap it up. Uh, this is from John Piper's Don't Waste Your Life. It's a great book that came out about 20 years ago. And uh, in fact, I'm just looking up the date, 2003, exactly 20 years ago. And this is right in the middle of one of my favorite chapters called Risk is Right. So as you think about application to this two-part episode entitled The Selfless, it's not being selfless as an end in itself, it's being selfless to reach out to others, including your own families and church and business and and everyone you know, let alone the whole world, for the sake of the Lord. And John Piper says this, and I quote, Now what about you? Are you caught in the enchantment of security, paralyzed from taking any risks for the cause of God? Or have you been freed by the power of the Holy Spirit from the mirage of Egyptian safety and comfort? Read, that would be entitlement. Do you men ever say with Joab, remember, Joab was a general in David's army? Do you men ever say with Joab, for the sake of the name, I'll try it, and may the Lord do what seems good to him? And do you women say with Esther ever, for the sake of Christ, I'll try it, and if I perish, I perish. Yeah. So, that challenge from Pastor John Piper, a doctor of theology, uh, is to say think of ways to go from entitlement to selflessness. In the name of the Lord, not just as an end in itself for your own Christian walk, but reaching out to others so the power of the Holy Spirit by the blood-bought salvation Jesus gave us in the cross through the manger at Christmas. May we be that light to the world and take risks for him, sacrificing our entitlement for his selflessness and his kingdom, which is coming soon to an earth near you. Amen. Amen. This is Paul Einerberg wrapping up 2023 with the deepening roots and growing branches. We're so glad you stuck with us now for these 33 episodes. Look forward to the new year with more episodes at New Life EV Free Church.